Welcome to the podcast station where we share exciting stories, interesting facts, lots of laughter, and lots of hope as we talk about caring for our human bodies in the 21st century. We have one ultimate goal, and that is to help you develop a newfound perspective and sense of appreciation for the incredible human body that you're living in. If you would like to join us for more educational courses or professional certifications, see us online at www.holistichealtheducators.com. Great to have you with us. Hello, everyone, and welcome to today's podcast on the immune system, as well as practical protocols for addressing different pathogens. So save that three times fast. I'm just sharing some practical protocols for pathogens. What are you doing, Larry? It should be an automatic uh, self-esteem booster. So we are very happy that you're here, Karen. And I have both been working in holistic healthcare for several years, her as a much more of a practitioner, me more of a student of physiology. And so we're excited to come together today and share some really relevant information when it comes to developing a productive relationship with the trillions of other organisms that live on and in us that are not actually our human cells. So Karen, you can go ahead and get us started. And I can't wait to jump in here. Well, well, honestly, the timing couldn't be better, right? Because everyone we, you know, we work with, we, people have parasites, people are exposed to viruses, people are exposed to bacterias. And it's, it's all about what Amy always teaches in immunology. It's, it's dose exposure. We need to be aware of how much we're being exposed. And then we also need to be prepared in our body for what works. We can be exposed to. So half the battle is, oh no, I have a virus. What do I do? But the more important battle was the one you fought before you got the virus. And that is, I want to make sure my, I'm maintaining a really healthy immune system. I have happy basophils and happy neutrophils and happy macrophages. And my thymus is working great. And my, you know, I'm doing my lymphatic drainage, like all those things that most of you probably have never heard of, right? Yeah, but that, that's the part that we want to help you with, um, understand how that immunity works so that you have this arsenal of, um, of strength behind you. So when a virus or a pathogen comes into the body through the eyeball, through the nose, through the mouth, up your rectum, would that be weird? Anyhow, it's going to be in the body. You can at least like get rid of it, um, naturally. And then if you just can't kill that baby off, we're here to help you with some very fun things to help you understand how to get rid of it, including how to make hydrochloroquine. <laughs> Absolutely. So there you go, Amy. Was that I a love good it. Yeah, that's, That's excellent. So just to give a word to that inner place she was talking about, that's the epidemiological triangle. This is deterrent. This was what determines whether or not someone gets sick is the interplay between three things, how virulent the pathogen is. So what's the nature of the agent? Is it, um, is it absolutely ruthless, no matter how healthy you is, you are, (laughs) Or is it like more manageable if you have a good immune system so that you have the agent, you have the host and that's us. We're the host. So it's like, how healthy are we as the host? What's our current nutrient profile? Are we stressed out? Are we relaxed? Are we sleep deprived? Are we well rested, et cetera? What's the state of the host? What are our genetic predispositions? And then the last thing is the environment and the dose exposure. So what's the environment? Um, How much are we exposed to? Is it just mold that you inhaled while you were on a hike? Or is it mold that's coming in through your vent for 15 years? Cause your house is like from the six, and doesn't have proper mold practices anymore. And so that's the dose exposure. So we are going to be talking actually a little bit about um, all three, but I'm really excited. Karen and I tend to focus a lot on the environment because that's um, 
the environment of our bodies, the state of the host, that is one thing that we can control. Um, and then also there's protocols we can do to decrease our exposure to things, but we do want to talk about the state of the host. This is one thing I'm really excited that we're talking about because so often when it comes to like people find out they have a virus or a bacteria or a parasite and their in first instinct is like, what can I take to kill it? Or what, you know, what do I need to start supplementing with? Or how do I just kill it right away and get it out of my body? And we want to make a larger space for us to have a conversation about our internal environment and we can shift the environment of our body so that a lot of our, these viruses and bacteria and parasites um, will either die off or the healthy ones have the space to thrive and they'll end up helping to balance that microbiome. So we want to, we'll be talking about environment as part of this, because it's not just about killing it off. If you just try to kill something off without ever looking at why it became overgrown in the first place, or, or why is this environment more conducive to, to its growth in the first place, then it's going to be an uphill battle after that. So we're going to be talking about candida, um, different viruses and a uh, couple different bacteria and potentially get to parasites. But Karen, I want to know if there's anything you want to mention before I give a really quick immune, immune system physiology blurb. You just jump right in there, dear. I have plenty of time to talk. We're all good. Okay. Okay. So this is something I've been studying more of and it's gotten me super excited. So we've all heard about the three different kinds of immunity, um, like acquired, inherited, adapted, and artificial immunity. Um, sorry, and some of that is inherited. So I'm not talking about where our immunity comes from today. I'm actually talking about the two different systems, the two different immune systems in your body. You have an innate immune system and an adaptive immune system, and they do work together, but physiologically speaking, um, there's a lot of parts of them that actually work very differently. That's why they're separated. So your innate immune system is your first line of defense. Those things are that we're not talking about the really specific antibodies and T cell receptors. We're talking about your general big immune cells that are looking for for things that do not belong to your human body. And they're like, that doesn't belong to me. I'm going to eat it. So this is like the first line of defense where they're not very specific, but it is going to be measuring how much of this pathogen is coming into your body. Is it enough that we should even be worried about it? They set something called a danger threshold where they're like, oh, this actually isn't that dangerous. Don't start a whole immune system flare up. This is no big deal. We'll take care of it. Or if it's really serious, they'll be like, okay, come on, adaptive immune system. We're going to need your help here. This is a big one. So they're establishing the threshold of the immune response. They're also going to be taking care of that first line of defense. And like I said, these are the non-specialized cells. So these are going to be like macrophages, you know, cinephils, um, um, NK cells, some of the dendritic cells. These are cells that, like I said, they're looking for something. They're looking for non-self antigens. And uh, sometimes they're looking for parts of you that there's two, there's two classifications. If you want to write this down, if you don't just let it leave your brain, <laughs> you have, um, PAMPs and DAMPs. And so we have pathogen-like, um, there's damage. Give me one second. I forget the exact abbreviation, but what path, the PAMPs is something that's oh, pathogen associated, um, molecular, um, um, particles. It's not particles, something like that. And then the other one is damage associated and that's coming from within your body. So in any case, they're looking for dead and dying cells in your body that they can take care of, or they're looking for invaders. That's what their job is. Three to three days to a week later is when your, your, um, adaptive immune system starts coming in. Those guys needed time to specialize. So while your 
front line of defense has been taking care of business. You have your adapted immune system that's like looking, let's say this is a pathogen, this is a bacteria that's fighting around. They have all these little things sticking off called epitopes. And so your T cells and B cells are going to be like trying to figure out how to link onto these guys. And so that takes a while because they're creating thousands and thousands of different variations trying to find the right lock and key for these. When it successfully finds one that matches, it's an antibody. That's what an antibody is. It's a specific specific lock and key that knows exactly how to attack this particular pathogen. And so you have two major cells of your, your adaptive immune system, your, your T cells, which are made in your thymus and your B cells, which are made in your bone marrow. So that's why it's T and B. The, the B cells are made in your bone marrow and those are antibodies. The T cells are made in your thymus. Okay. So there, they take a few more days to kick in. The whole reason why I wanted to go through all of this is because there's one thing that this whole system depends on, and that is motility. What do I mean by motility of your lymphatic system? These lymph fluids need to be moving in order to educate the rest of your body on how to attack these things. If I'm like totally just stagnant all the time and I might be having like T cells and, and B cells going to town in one part of my body, trying to figure something out, but maybe that pathogen or that code hasn't even circulated to the other side of my body yet, or it's still stuck in my lymph fluid somewhere. How is that needs to get picked up by the lymphatic fluid? It, which will then be delivered into the bloodstream, which will then be circulated to your spleen. And it's going to activate your whole immune system so that they can create the right lock and key. So that was just a little bit of physiology behind why being being active. And I'm not talking about doing crazy exercise. I'm talking about very simple things of moving, stretching, getting upside down and downward dog. Um, just being mobile throughout the day is so important because you need to have a motile and a moving lymphatic system in order for these particles and these antibodies to travel around your body and educate the rest of your immune system. So anyway, that's a little bit of background of behind why movement and environment is so important if you want to have an effective and efficient immune response. Back to you, Karen. Awesome. Thank you so much. That was amazing. And this is why when you remember when you were little or your kids got sick and they got an ear infection and it seemed like last forever, it does last forever because it takes several days for the body to figure out, okay, this is how we're going to go ahead and attack this baby and get rid of it. But then the best part is it remembers. And so now you have all these little white blood cells that are like, Hey, I know how to get rid of an ear infection. Hey, I know how to get rid of mono. Hey, I know how to get rid of that. Hey, I know how to get chicken pox. I know how to do it. And then they, they, they create cell memory and they pass it down. So you have this cell, mother cell, who knows how to kill all, isn't she amazing? And then she has daughter cells and she passes the information on to her daughter cells and their daughter cells and their daughter cells. And now you have this a beautiful immune system. And I must point out right now during this lovely time of the world that we're living in, your immune system, once it knows how to kill something off, you, you are set. You aren't gonna get that again. When the body learns how to get rid of an issue, you, unless you start eating crap and not taking care of yourself, if you're doing really well and doing what you need to be doing, that cell memory is passed down and passed down and passed down for generations. And so do you, you don't need to worry about getting another ear infection because you had one when you were eight and you still have never had another one because the white blood cells have remembered how it got rid of that the first time. So if you were exposed to one, 
they just went to work. They took a photocopy, they remember it in their little filing box, and then the filing boxes come out whenever they need that. That's why it's so important to recognize that natural immunity is a real thing, and it is extremely much more powerful than other forms of immunity. So that's something I just wanted to point out there because that was excellent. And of course, we can't go on without talking about dry skin brushing, which is going to be moving the lymphatic system, getting all that those educated cells from one point of the body to the other point of the body. So jumping on a mini trampoline, dry skin brushing. These are all ways to pass on the love, honey, and make sure that everyone knows what's going on. It was excellent description, Amy. Great job. Yeah, I was just going to say Instagram just banned the hashtag natural immunity. <laughs> so just in case you guys were wondering, this is now a war on the human body and basic oh, physiology. I was like, my. so now the next new trending hashtag is natural immunity with the middle finger up. <laughs> if anyone's looking <laughs> for natural immunity posts, that's been the replacement. There are some good posts using that hashtag. I'm not going to lie. So anyway, yes, it's very crazy what's going on. Um, I will mention just Karen, one caveat to that is like things can mutate. So you, you can't be infected with the same thing if it does yes. mutate, but, but the memory part of it is amazing. Our immune system so cool in that capacity. For those of you who are looking what I just found my note, my note, ta-da. Um, they're the two different, uh, types of molecules that your in, innate immune system is looking for are pathogen associated molecular patterns or damage associated molecular patterns. So pathogen associated molecular patterns or PAMPs are coming in from the outside. Damage associated molecular patterns or DAMPs are coming from within your body because your immune system is also responsible for cleaning up um, a, a, a damaged tissue in your body. I just had to mention that. So that, those are what your um, pattern uh, um, receptors are looking for. Cool. Pattern recognition receptors. All right. So that's a little bit of anatomy and physiology. So should we get into practical protocols, Kara? Oh, yes. That'd be amazing, Amy. Okay, cool. So um, we're going to start I'm, off with Candida. I'm, I'm traveling. So I brought all my little things with me that I bring wherever I go, because I think a lot of people don't even know how do they prepare their bodies and keep themselves well. So at some point we got to bring that up too. Yes. Okay. Let's do candida first. And then you go into your travel kit of how to have a kick butt immune system, no matter where you go. Does that work? And works great. Okay. So a lot of us have heard of candida, like all, almost every, yes, every single pathogen, parasites, fungus, uh, bacteria, and viruses, there are good and bad ones and not even good and bad ones. There's good and bad proportions. Okay. So like, just keep that in mind. There's viruses and bacteria in your stomach that keep H pylori in check and they're meant to be there. And there's bacteria that are warding off the other bad guys on your skin and in your gut and in your respiratory tract. There's such a complex microbiome in your lungs. And so when it comes to candida, no, we're naturally supposed to have some. So it's, this is not about a kill every single thing off in our bodies war, but there are, this is going to sound like a lot. There's just like between five and seven things I need to mention with candida. Um, so if you have your notes, grab, grab your notes out because it is a combination of talking about these things that can really help people get their candida in check. The first thing that you often hear us talk about is the obvious one of keeping sugars and carbohydrates in check. Uh, candida thrive off of sugar, it's their favorite food source. So um, sodas, breads, grains, fruity, like just sweet fruits, 
um, like literally anything that breaks down into a glucose molecule, which is going to be the majority of your carbs, you're going to feed a candida overgrowth. So people who are looking to, de- if someone's dealing with a candida overgrowth, it's a good time to have a conversation about what sweet foods are in their diet. Now, if it's someone who's like, I don't even understand how it's possible. I never eat sweet things. Then it's probably one of the next five things I'm going to talk about. The second thing is making sure you balance the microbiome. Like I mentioned, these, there are so many bacteria in your gut that actually are designed to keep the candida in check. So a lot of times people will get a yeast infection, which is a candida overgrowth after a round of antibiotics, because what do the antibiotics do? They kill off all the bacteria, the bacteria were needed to keep the the candida in check. And now the yeast or the candida are overgrowing. And so that induces a yeast infection. So what you're going to want to do is repopulate the gut with good bacteria after any round of um, antibiotics, as well as just if someone's dealing with a candida overgrowth, having a conversation about fermented foods and about probiotics. I will mention fermented foods often can be a lot more effective than just taking a probiotic because fermented foods, the bacteria has gotten to the cellular level of the food. And so it's passing all the way through your body into your gut. And it's not just, you know, 95% of them aren't just going to be killed off in your gut, which is really cool. Like that's the point of fermented foods is these, like these, these little guys have, have colonized the actual fibers in the vegetables. And so that's just pretty cool to think about anyway. So fermented foods are great. So balance the microbiome. Third thing is to have a little chit chat about stress because cortisol, a little chit chat. Yeah. Well, you know, it's good. You're talking to someone it's like, who's not stressed out these days, but anyway, let's just talk about stress because cortisol, the stress hormone is going to be doing two things. It's going to be telling your body to increase the amount of sugar in circulation in your bloodstream because sugar is easier to burn than fat. And so if your body is fighting a bear, it wants the fastest burning fuel, and that's going to be glucose. So cortisol increases your blood sugar levels and it decreases your immune system. Why? Because finding the right cell like receptor for this particular pathogen is not high priority when you're being chased by a bear or facing family issues and financial crises and social isolation and X, Y, Z. So, um, cortisol suppresses your immune system and your immune system is partially responsible for keeping your candida in check. So talking about stress and therapy and different ways that we can bring our stress levels and cortisol levels down. Um, the fourth thing is going to be looking at how to eliminate chemical and toxics, toxic contributors to this imbalance. So like mercury fillings, mercury are super bad for your immune system. Mercury is as well as, um, it's going to be contributing a lot of symptoms that are actually very much like, uh, candida overgrowth, like brain fog and lethargia and, and, um, a lot of this has a lot of similar symptoms, but look for heavy metal poisoning. That's also going to be really harsh on your immune system. It can also be a heavy contributor to candida, um, being on antibiotics. So just look at chemicals, fluoride in the water. It's going to be naturally killing off the gut bacteria in your gut. So looking at how to eliminate chemicals and toxic contributors to the imbalance. Um, and then the fifth thing we're getting to the end here, everyone is going to be supplementing or using enzymes to help attack the candida and the biofilms. There's two things you need enzymes for. The outer shell of the candida, candida are pretty hard on the outside. So it really helps to have a kick butt enzyme blend that can help get crack into that hard outer shell of the candida. In fact, it will like take five, 10, 15 times as long to do this without a good enzyme blend. I'm from our experience observing people. So a good enzyme blend can be make the world of difference. It's going to be breaking into the candida. It's also going to be breaking down the biofilms. So this is crazy. You guys, pathogens want to protect themselves. So what they'll sometimes do is secrete, um, biofilm that's going to be, uh, protecting themselves 
from your immune cells. And so you have like mucus that you make. There's a lot of very important mucus membranes in your body. Mucus, we hear mucus, we instantly think it's a bad thing, but you, your body uses mucus is one of its best assets is having mucus membranes. These things are important. You want mucus membranes. However, viruses and bacteria also have caught on the whole like, hey, mucus membranes are great protectors. So now they have their own mucus membranes and that's not good because it makes it way harder for the immune cells to reach it. So you also need enzymes uh, to break apart the biofilms. There are excellent candida and gut health associated enzyme blends out there. You guys just do some research. Like I see so many, I've been doing more and more research on different products to recommend to my clients. And I'm like, wow, I'm so happy. This is generating so much more awareness in our society today. Cause there's great enzyme blends that will do like all three things. Like this will attack the biofilms and the candida. And then this is going to replenish your healthy gut bio, um, microbiome. So anyway, just do some research, find a good enzyme blend for that. The, um, let very last things, Karen, and then I'm handing it over to you. Um, we have make sure that your body's detoxification pathways are opened up because as the candida start dying off, they will be releasing extra endotoxins that can make you feel extremely fatigued and tired and sick. And so like Karen mentioned, sweating, which is making sure your detox pathways are opened up, sweating, um, uh, having regular bowel movements, moving your body and your lymphatic system, lymphatic drainage, which is going to drain into your blood, which will then leave your body either through urine or fecal matter. But anyway, making sure like you're plenty hydrated, plenty hydrated, tons of water. So like lots of water, lots of, um, if you need lymphatic massage, there's really cool technologies out there now that can also help stimulate your lymphatic system. Um, so you can find a local practitioner to help you stimulate your lymph movement. So anyway, so just open up your detox pathways. And the very last thing of this seven step Candida protocol is consider other supplements that can also help like emulsified oil of oregano is also a, um, can be a very useful tool in your toolbox for bringing, um, pathogenic imbalances back into check in your body. So, um, along with emulsified oil of oregano, there's a few other supplements, Karen, this is where you can definitely, um, trip up and mention some. Um, I know that tea tree oil, um, on like a tampon internally can also be really helpful. Tea tree oil on coconut oil, um, on a, in a, put on a tampon for a, a woman can be really helpful for that. If there's a heavy yeast infection, that's causing a lot of itching going on inside. Um, so there's like a few other, uh, just excellent herbs and supplements that can also help, um, fight the candida overgrowth. But let me just see by raise of hands, who has ever heard of a candida protocol with that many steps, I'm just curious because I've been putting this together for like six months now. And I know that was a lot, but I hope you got a lot, a lot out of it because it's actually a very multifaceted issue. I used to think it was just cut out sugar and take an enzyme. That's what my answer would have been a year ago. It's like, oh yeah, you're eating too much sugar. Cut it out and take an enzyme. But now I'm like, wow, this is very complex. Like some people can have candida overgrowth just from stress or they can have it just from being on antibiotics and it killing off the good bacteria or just from having heavy metal toxicity. So it's good to just have this checklist so that if you're dealing with someone, they're like, I've been bad this for a while. Now, you know, it's probably not just sugar because someone's trying to eat two bites of a cookie and then have a candida explosion. Like there's something else going on in their body if that happens. All right, Karen, turning it back over to you. 
Oh, you're amazing. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. And just a note on that. Oftentimes I'm telling you probably a high 75% of the time it is just sugar. That's what's causing a lot of this. And so be aware of why is there too much sugar in your bloodstream? Do you need some chromium? Do you need some berberine? Because a lot of people are like, well, I'm just missing chromium because I eat white bread and white flour and white crackers and white noodles and white everything. And then there's no chromium and you need chromium in order to help the sugars get absorbed into the glucose absorbed into the cell. So sometimes just taking GTF chromium, I've had people type two diabetics, that's all they needed. Boom. Never had a problem again because they just had too much sugar floating in the bloodstream for the candida to eat. And once they took the GTF chromium that used up all the sugar, their candida went away. So you look at GTF chromium, look at berberine, kind of also take a step back and go, Hmm, do I really have too much sugar in my bloodstream? And you can get these great units to test your blood sugar all the time, but that's enough on candida because that was phenomenal. Amy way to cover that in a few minutes. Pokey smokes. Um, the num and the, and so another important thing to talk about is how do you create a body whose immune system is so healthy that you just don't get sick? And um, when I first published my book, Live, if you don't own that book, please go online and get that because you will love the book. But anyhow, Live, the title was Live With Energy, Never Be Sick Again, because I taught a class that said, Live With Energy, Never Be Sick Again. There is a way to get your body where you will not be sick. And that is because of the immune system and of course, lack of stress. But if you even experience stress and you still have what you need in the body, it can fight off these infections without you becoming paralyzed from any kind of sickness. And so what are some of those protocols? What are some of those things that I take when I'm traveling or when I'm going to be under a lot of stress? When I'm traveling, I'm not traveling. I travel with a blender when I'm driving. Even when I'm flying some times, I'll take a blender, but like my, my two week jaunt to New York to help Rose before she graduates next week, didn't come with a blender. Hers was taken during COVID. So I just ordered a new one. It'll be there today. So I can't wait to get back home. But anyhow, so I travel with some supplements. Now I will tell you, I don't take supplements every single day. There are some that I take throughout the day. Like I always take zinc. All of you should be taking zinc right now because it stops viruses from replicating. So zinc is extremely important. I always take E and selenium. Um, one of the best anti-cancer um, supplements you can ever take is selenium. But I also take things with me like vitamin C. So if I'm not home taking my goji berry water and eating all my hibiscus tea and things I normally do, then I'm going to supplement with some vitamin C. Now, I will tell you that I actually travel with these supplements and I take there. These are expensive ones. These are from mega food because they're whole food. They're hundred percent whole food grade. Um, I take my minerals from Dennis, my copper, gold, and silver, right? There are things that I do take, but when I'm traveling, I just pop them in little bags and I'll have two in one bag. This is in selenium and vitamin D because they're different colors. So it doesn't matter. So it's not that you need to take all of your big supplement containers with you. I don't ever go a day without spirulina. Well, very few days, right? Because they're amazing. And this is spirulina that's in tablets. I ordered this from the health ranger. It's organic spirulina. So if I'm not adding spirulina powder to my green smoothie, but I'm at home making my smoothies, I just simply take the spirulina in tablets, right? Your iron, right? Your iron, your magnesium. Don't be afraid to take supplements with you when you're traveling. Um, and then at home, making sure that we are building our bodies up. Um, so hydrochloroquine, you can make that at home. I'm going to tell you the recipe. It's coming out in an email that we just, that I wrote um, a week or two ago. And Amy's just been editing that. So making your own hydrochloroquine, which is phenomenal. It's been been used for unhumans forever, right? Um, so is ivermectin, by the way, that is not just designed as an animal product as you're now being not told the truth of, but hydrochloroquine, it's easy. You take three grapefruits and three lemons and you peel them. 
eat the lemons and the grapefruit, but you, you don't use it to make hydrochloroquine. You use the peels. That's why they must be organic. And you simply peel the three grapefruit, peel the three or four oranges, and you boil them on, well, you simmer those peels in like three cups of water for three hours, three, 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 right? After three hours, you turn it off, let it cool down, take two tablespoons twice a day, hydrochloroquine and quercetin all together at the same time. So again, that recipe is coming out in our emails. If you don't receive our emails, please go to our blog so you can catch that. That'll be a blog post as well as sign up for our emails. You guys, this is fun. They're free and they're full of information. So go to, go to whoever, our website. Hello, holistichealtheducators.com and register for our emails because they're super fun. We'd love to share those with you. Cool. Yeah. I love your traveling protocol, Karen, because uh, that is one thing when it comes to like food is medicine and medicine is food. Um, it's really interesting because when in 1910, when uh, medical school reform took place and Andrew Carnegie and, and Rockefeller required all medical schools to comply with the Flexner report in order to receive funding, Mm-hmm. They eliminated the, the flexion report required that the majority of naturopathic and homeo, homeopathic remedies and plant medicines and electromagnetic therapies and other forms of electrical therapies, hydrotherapy, all therapy removed mm-hmm. over half of all medical schools were teaching very integrative medicine at the time the flexion report comes out and it, the amount of medical schools in America went from around 150 down to 30 after that report, because, um, that they couldn't, they didn't comply they, and they refused to comply. But what these medical schools did keep is they could keep the plant medicines. They kept those around in the labs to learn what the components were of the plants that they could derive and turn into a patentable pharmaceutical drug or patentable medicine. So they did keep plant medicines around because so many pharmaceuticals are based off of the chemical constituents found in plants and plant medicines. But I just wanted to keep that in mind is like when we talk about herbs and we talk about supplements, like these things have very real physiological effects on the body because, and, and that's actually what a lot of pharmaceutical drugs are based off of, or like exactly what those chemical components are and how those reactions happen in the body. So Zinc, for example, is an awesome example. Zinc um, can aid in the, can inhibit the proliferation of viruses and the cells that, that viruses have hacked. So zinc is like an amazing antiviral, um, antiviral product. Um, and then when it comes to like, uh, oil of emulsified oil of oregano and garlic, like both of these contain chemical compounds that actually target the pathogen themselves. They're antimicrobials. They actually target the bacteria or the virus or the pathogen. In fact, both of those garlic and um, oil of oregano derivatives have been found to um, work on antibiotic resistant uh, pathogens, which is very hopeful because we have antibiotics that are no longer working on several strains of bacteria that now, um, that these two can still be effective on. So it's very exciting to just learn more about the power of plant medicine. And I know I'm totally preaching to the choir right now. So this is like not news. It's like, by the way, you guys, plant medicine works, but I'm just talking about the history behind it. Like I just didn't realize how integral plant medicine was in the development of pharmaceutical drugs. And ever since I've been studying more about the history of medical schools, I am just so clear on what my life purpose is. That's all I'm going to say. I am very clear on that one. Awesome. Amy, you know, they were still using homeopathy during the world wars, literally the, the military, the army, they had homeopathy. That is what many of the, um, the, the doctors on the field were actually giving people was homeopathy. So it is, it's just amazing. They also used ivermectin 
and yes. the most recent COVID outbreak for refugees coming into America. So that's very interesting, U.S. government. I can tell uh, you what you think is actually effective that you're not telling us. So anyway, okay. Um, I did. I wanted to mention real quick when I'm traveling. Always, 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 everyone, when you are not in your own element, be sensitive to the chemicals you're putting in your body. When you go out to eat, it can be really tempting to be like, oh, I'm on vacation. I can eat anything. Well, guess what? Because then you're going to be dealing with things that you're not in your own home. You're not in your own sleeping cycle. You're not you know, doing what you need to be doing. And that can just take you down. One meal can take you down. So be very careful. Don't not overdose on all the sugars and all the flowers because mom's not watching or you're not in front of you know, your students. Karen, I'm very careful. Don't worry. Just teasing you. But anyhow, it's super important to do that. So integrity is integrity and it's what you're doing when no one's watching. Okay. Okay. Thought I throw that out. Not there. meant to be a guilt trip. I had gelato. I had gelato. Just wanted to put it out there. I'm feeling a little guilty, but boy, it tastes so good. Pistachio gelato. Anyway. You know, when that kind when those kinds of foods are built into your diet plan, Karen, you don't need to feel guilt. So that's Amy's. Secret. I feel no guilt. I feel zero that's guilt. My secret. Okay. Um uh, no, but put note on the sugar. I will just mention real quick on that. Cause I really am a big believer in like, not, nah, I think like negative emotions related to our food are way worse for us than bad, than, than food. I mean, I'm not even gonna say good and bad food, all food totally just depends on the situation. Um, but if you are curious about the mechanism, um, glucose actually does enter in a white blood cell through the same glute one receptor that vitamin C enters into a white blood cell and white blood cells need about 150 times more vitamin C than, than the other cells in our body. So sugar will displace the receptor that glute one receptor that needs the vitamin C on the, on the white blood cells. So it can actually lower your, your, um, circulating white blood cell count for like 46 hours after you eat it. So I'm not saying there's never a time and place to enjoy sugar, but if you're traveling and you're really stressed out, you might want to go for the more like fat friendly, keto friendly options, just throwing it out there. Okay. Um, uh, back to protocols and then we'll wrap this up, um, back to protocols when it comes to working with clients, if you don't mind, if we touch on that, Karen, and thank you for sharing your travel pack, because it's really exciting to know there's things we can take that can help us be more, less fearful when we're traveling and being exposed to all sorts of things. So that's really, I did fail to mention the oil of oregano. I never leave home without that. It's actually permanently in my travel bag. So She doesn't have a travel kit. It's this black thing and it's got her essential oils and her vitamins and her oil of oregano. So it's a great travel pack to have, Karen. Um, I've seen you administer that to many people, including hotel receptionists uh, time to time. Okay. Uh, When it comes to working with clients, uh, it's also good to have your own checklist and your own list of uh, potential things to, to check with, talk to them about. And, and maybe you're just an educator. And so you just want to give them um, ideas of supplements that they can research themselves and just educate them like, Hey, these are different things that can work on um, different uh, viruses and bacteria and parasites. So like, I'll give you some things and you can do some research. That would be how you would do it as an educator. If you're a practitioner and this person has signed a release form or they're part of your private membership association, or you're a really confident muscle tester at that point, you might actually test them on some products. Um, and you might actually test them for like, okay, would, would emulsified oil of oregano be beneficially effective and tolerable, or would olive leaf extract be beneficially effective and tolerable? Um, and for how many days and, and, and for what dosage, those might be things that you start checking with them on. Um, I will say those are the most common ones that we, uh, refer clients to are, different garlic extracts, emulsified oil of oregano, uh, olive leaf extract. We love the company Barleen's. They make a liquid form of olive leaf extract, phenomenal antiviral. Um, so we get that in the refrigerated section of uh, health food stores. We'll carry that. 
And then um, what are your other top ones you do for bacterial and viral? Coconut oil. Raw coconut oil is antimicrobial, antibacterial, anti-cancerous. Raw coconut oil, my gosh, pop it in your in your drinks. I mean, if you're doing a smoothie, pop it in a smoothie. I will let you know if you've got a really good organic raw coconut oil and you put it into a cold smoothie, you're going to have frozen little pieces of coconut oil, which are not very palatable on your taste buds. So what you want to do is make sure that your smoothie is not full of frozen fruit, which you don't want to be using anyways, because anything frozen does not that does not um, break down in the stomach until it gets warm again anyways. So just turn the temperature a little bit more warm on your uh, smoothie and pop that raw coconut oil in there. Boom, bang for the brain. It's amazing as well as antimicrobial, antibacterial. Awesome. And just to clarify a few things in the chat. So when it comes to oil of oregano, uh, there is both a like food grade form you can get in a tincture um, as well as you can get in tincture form or you can get it in tablets. Um, what's the company we get our emulsified oil of oregano from Karen? Oh, we used to make it. So I use that up and now I just, I get a different, a couple different kinds. And then I just popped in the chat ADP from, I think it's Biola research, but ADP is an emulsified oil of oregano. And that I recommend a lot because it's already time released. It's in an oil base. And so you can take one and it time releases over a couple hours. And so ADP is probably my favorite tablet if you're looking for, I can't stand the taste of oil of oregano, then you can, and you can make your own. It's a tincture. You can make it in olive oil. You can make it, you know, you can make it in an alcohol base. So you can also make your own. And then the other form of that is essential oil. You're definitely going to want to consult with like a, a certified are they called aromatherapists who do the essential? Yeah, to find one that you really want to take internally, you got to be careful. There are so many places that say you can take things internally, and I yeah. just we we're generally not big internal oil oregano or sorry, big internal essential oil takers in general, just because those things are so powerful. People can definitely develop liver toxicity from too much internal taking of essential oils. Like, so we're not people who are putting drops of essential oils in our smoothies or our food every day. Cause those things are very, very powerful. That said, there actually have been clinical research studies done on the essential oil version of oil of oregano taken internally that performed phenomenally, AKA outperformed a lot of their pharmaceutical counterparts in taking care of parasites and different viral infections that were um, internal uh, inside the digestive tract. So um, if you can find a really good uh, food grade version of an essential oil, oil of oregano and follow proper dosing for that. So you're not overdoing it. That can be really good. And like, and like all powerful herbs, you don't want to take them forever because they, they're actually can, can start to kill off your good things too. There can be very hardcore on your internal tract. So this is definitely meant uh, to be taken in a protocol. Last thing I want to mention before we wrap this up is there is a category of microbes called stealth microbes. And, uh, there's some great books, Colleen, if you want to put the names of the books in the chat, that'd be awesome. But stealth microbes are ones that are part of your underlying infections. And this will be things like Lyme disease and, and, um, different viruses that actually a lot of times they might not even show up on blood reports or lab tests because they're so stealthy. They, they can develop cysts in your body and to protect themselves. And they'll only really show up on a test if they're being active at the time. And so if that is the case for you or one of your clients, I would definitely recommend recommend that they work under the supervision of someone who specializes in helping people with those issues, whether they're Lyme literate or um, specialize in different infectious diseases, uh, underlying infectious diseases, they will, may put you on an integrative herbal protocol where you rotate through these different herbs. You rotate from olive leaf to oil of oregano, to different garlic extracts, to other herbal compounds. 
And they'll put you on like a whole protocol that will help you attack these underlying infectious diseases over like a more long-term protocol. So that's what I would say, because if you're dealing with something more long-term, like working with someone who can put you on a customized integrative plan on different herbal blends, um, that's, that would be my top suggestion. Okay, great. So that's that for today. I'm going to read these books out loud for anyone joining us over the phone. Unlocking Lime by William um, Yowles, who's an MD, and then also The Lime Solution by Darren Ingalls, who is a D-N-M-D-A-A-E-M. Excellent. Thank you. Um, and also Jay just mentioned that the ADP, the emulsified oil of oregano is by the company Biotics. So we both we both love that product. Excellent. So that is a brief overview of the immune system, viruses, bacteria, and candida. If there's not any other last questions, we're going to wrap this up. So I'll give just one more minute for the questions, but thank you everyone for joining us. And uh, I hope you learned a thing or two about the tools available to you. Um, last disclaimer, Karen and I are not medical professionals, and this is not a replacement for medical advice and working with a supervisor, um, trained either medically or holistically, um, is ideal if you are looking to embark on a personalized plan for your health. Um, but this is just general information meant to deepen your and, and, and for entertainment purposes. So <laughs> excellent. You know, um, I decided, you know, Amy, on how people can make things go faster. They're probably going to want to find an app that makes things go slower when they listen to our podcasts. I do believe that could be possible. Yeah. It's like, can you slow this down to 0. 0.05? <laughs> Please. <laughs> Thank you. Oh, very last question that popped up in the chat for the making the homemade hydrochloroquine, Karen, how long yeah. do they boil the peels for? Yeah. Three grapefruits. Yeah, three grapefruits, three or four lemons, peel them, only use the peelings that are washed, and then three cups of water, simmer for three hours, cool it down two tablespoons twice a day would be great. And you can muscle test. Some people might want a little bit more, but that's the average. That's what we normally give frontline doctors. That's what they recommend. That's just what, what we recommend. And again, we have an email coming out with, um, with a lot of information. So again, if, if you're watching this afterwards, please go to our podcast and look for um, that email on, on um, it's called the COVID update. Uh, and that'll be, um, it'll be available here in the next day or so. Lots of information on there, by the way, some great, great stuff to share. Can you store that in the fridge? Please, and you can freeze it. So if you wanna store half of it in the freezer and the other half in the fridge while you're taking it, if there's only one or two people in the home, then you might wanna you know, save a cup and a half of it in the freezer. And then you take the first cup and a half. And then when that's about done, you can thaw out the other one. I'm making it and leaving it here for Rose and her roommates. Um, so she has it in New York. Yep, absolutely. And how easy is that, you know? And eat the grapefruits and the lemons, by the way. Super. <laughs> and antioxidants and vitamin C. So awesome. Well, thank you so much, everyone. Good luck on your, on your journey. And as always Woo! listen to your body, because what's right for one person is not going to be right for everyone. And at the point your body may be ready for one protocol is going to be a different timeline than other people. So please, uh, yeah, customize it according to your personal needs and according to how much your body can handle and what it needs at the time. But we hope that this gave you some really good ideas of things to, uh, how to address your body's microbiome and Good luck on your personal health and immune system. Woohoo! Bye, everybody. Have a great Bye. day.
Hey, thank you for joining us. I hope you had as much fun as we did. If you would ever like to connect with us in person or live online for webinars, course certifications, events, conferences, parties, go ahead and check out our upcoming event schedule at www.holistichealtheducators.com. We would love to connect with you. We also host weekly live question and answer sessions. Until then, have a spectacular day.